0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.
1: This is the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, January 23rd. My name is CJ Baumgartner, making his triumphant return to the MSD. It's Corey Tackman. He's been uh, MIA the last few days.
0: MIA, and I spent um, two of those days at least sounding like I got kicked in the throat by Jackie Chan. I still don't feel like I sound all that great, but it's better than it was. And, and then, yeah, just some other schedule and stuff. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm sorry to miss yesterday because man, oh man, was there a lot of local stuff to talk about a oh, and, and, but I'm glad to be back today because I had, wow, did I have a game last night that, 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 uh, the best game I've seen this, this year. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about it. So um, Sabika boys basketball hosted long Prairie gray Eagle. It was a, just a Monday night non-conference. I got to the gym. Uh, First of all, I got to the gym, maybe a little later than I normally like to, Uh, but, but still like I try to get there at the start of the JV game, which is typically six o'clock. Not last night. I got there at 6.15, and there was ninety seconds left in the ha- in halftime. Really? So we were just we were just cooking. I don't know if, if things started that much earlier. If things were just rolling along, I don't know how that happened. But I will say this, and I'm not making light of the situation. Just it was a non conference Monday night basketball game. Against two teams with below 500 records, struggling to find their footing on the year. So, the atmosphere in the gymnasium throughout the second half of that JV game, leading up to the start of the varsity game, not a lot, not a lot of like high energy. They didn't have the juice. It didn't have the juice. Let me tell you what, not only did this game actually end up having the juice, it went to overtime. And it was the most fun basketball game I have seen this season. Really? It it was mm, 31-ish, 27-ish at halftime, give or take five points. I don't remember exactly the halftime score. This is Sabika and Long Prairie Boys basketball. Regulation ended at 67-67. Jasper Hosey, the senior for Sabika, hit two free throws. With 0. 0.4 seconds left to force the overtime. Dang. And then, as if the second half scoring wasn't totally different than the first half, Long Prairie Gray Eagle ends up winning 82 to 75. They just wow. go ballistic in that final in that four minutes of overtime. Um, it was quite obvious with about five minutes left in regulation that. Um, this game had a chance for overtime i mean it was just it was just back and forth we i think we went six possessions in a row where it was like 57 55 or 57 56 58 57 59 50 i mean we it was just literally back and forth on like six possessions in a row and i mean we saw huge scoring numbers four um, thunder players finished in double digits Um, uh, I think the highest was 20, but it was like 20, 16, um, 15 and 14 or something. You know what I mean? Like just all really bunched together closely. Sabika, um, Hosey had 30 and Max Lake had 26. I mean, it was just kind of a crazy game. Each team controlled huge chunks it was uh you know a a heavyweight battle there uh in in sections as well just a really fun basketball game i i think if you probably talked to either coach cj they would um they would tell you that we just you know couldn't find ways to stop the other team from doing what they wanted to do which is pro- which is you know that's a fair critique but I wasn't there as a coach. I was there as a fan and a broadcaster. And what I got to see was each team being allowed to do whatever kind of they wanted to do to get buckets. And 67-67 at the end of regulation and ended up 82-75. to That's a lot of points in four minutes. It was fun, really fun game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what you want when you have a game on the broadcast schedule is you want to be able to have something that's down to the wire and you can feel it uh, in your call as you get closer to the end of the game. And I know we talked about this a little bit uh, off air about once you get to kind of that end of the game and things are close, you don't even notice it uh, when you're calling sometimes, but all of a sudden you just feel everything start to kind of mean a little bit more.
0: So, um, you know, quite simply, this may be a look, a little look behind the curtain, but like in the first half of games, you'll often say, then there's eight and a half minutes left till half, eight and a half minutes left in the first half. Um, We're, we're 645 away from halftime, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you start doing that in the second half too. You'll say, you know, we're at the 12 minute mark. Um, There's nine minutes left. You start to, to put this definitive ending mm-hmm. this finite ending on, on the basketball game and with about five and a half minutes to go last night if you find i found myself like oh and with with 5 15 left in regulation the score is tied up at 48 48 or you know it, mm-hmm. it it starts to all those telltale signs are there like we might be going we might be getting some free basketball out of the deal
1: Right, exactly, and like you said, you put this finite end, finite end, and all of a sudden it's nope, never mind. We got a few more minutes, but it's yeah. funny. It's funny how you get into those overtimes, and no matter how well a team was playing heading into the overtime, if even though it's they had what five minutes to the game, four minutes in that four period, minutes, yeah, it it feels like an entirely brand new basketball game at times. It's crazy how much a switch can flip and there's not even that big of a break. It's basically just a timeout between regulation and overtime. It's crazy how much Mm -hmm. a team just can get reset like that, like long Prairie gray Eagle did. So very fascinating, very cool. Uh, very cool game last night. I have a game tonight that uh, would be pretty fun if it went down to the wire. Wadena Deer Creek and Verndale Boys Basketball Park Region Conference matchup. Uh, the Wolverines are 9-3 and three heading into this one. Verndale 2-10. and ten. Uh, And just looking at this game, obviously uh, the two teams are kind of in different directions at this point in the season. But throw that away because you got a good old-fashioned rivalry game. So there's definitely going to be a chip on everybody's shoulder in this one.
0: Yeah, I, I um yeah, they they just don't like each other. <laughs> don't like each other. Uh I know you had the girls game yes. between these two schools at the end of last week. And yeah, it's just a different atmosphere in, in the gym, it seems like, uh, with Wadena, Deer Creek and Verndale, and and it seems like it goes back decades. <laughs>
1: Pretty much, yeah, and to get to see that rivalry again, and to get to to see that, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to to see how this plays out. The Wolverines are six and zero on their home floor. They've won, I think, five games in a row, four games in a row, excuse me. So, their team that's feeling pretty good. They're kind of going through the the full meat and potatoes of the Park Region Conference schedule. Of course, with Wadena Deer Creek, we mentioned this yesterday on the morning sports desk, but Teshi Lore got his 1000th career point against East Grand Forks over the weekend. So congratulations to him. Uh, we also talked about a couple other players hitting the 1000 point mark, some key milestones in wrestling with two fifty win winners and a couple different 100 win milestone breakers. All of that is on our website with Dina radio.com. Go check out all of those uh, articles and shout outs. We also have them, on the Superstation K106 and KWAD Facebook pages as well. Um, A
0: fun little quirk about that really quickly. Yeah. Um, I I overheard someone. I don't remember where I heard this. I don't remember who, but I remember this. I I know it's true because Teshi's older brother, Bearcat, had this opportunity also to play against East Grand Forks. Um, The Lore's cousins play for the Green Wave. Really You so got to score his a thousandth point against a cousin, which is pretty cool.
1: That's that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool to hear. Uh, but yeah, the Wolverines are gonna play the Pirates tonight. 7 15 pregame, 7 30 tip off on 101.7 and AM 920 KWAD. Uh Corey, one last thing on our high school sports uh scene here is that we have another uh, thing to report on. So I didn't mention this on the sports desk yesterday because we had like 11 bajillion di- different uh, local sports angles we could have talked about. But uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Will Teal again because she earns National Player of the Week honor from Max Prep. So this is something, according to... The Purim Facebook page, the Purim Schools Facebook page, is that nine girls throughout the U.S. are chosen every week for this honor, and Thiel is the second girl from Minnesota to receive this award this season. Madden Greenway, uh, daughter of Vikings linebacker Chad Greenway, is the only other Minnesota girl to get this honor this
0: season. Madden, by the way, an absolute monster. Right. If you haven't seen or heard of what Madden Greenway does night in and night out, you're missing out. She is she's she's probably top three player in the state. She's just incredible. So to for Willow to be uh, in and amongst this, did you see her stats for the week and why she was chosen?
1: Yeah. So through three games, and I think two of which were against two state ranked teams, like top 10, uh, she scored 92 points in those three games, came out with 46 rebounds. But for the season, she's averaging nearly 28 points per game, 14 rebounds per game. The Yellow Jackets are 15 and 2 on the season, 8 and 1 in Section 8 AA play, 6 and 1 in the Heart of Lakes Conference. They're playing. Uh, with Dina Deer Creek girls at the hive tonight.
0: Pretty incredible week. 92 points in a week in a week, And uh, there's a lot, a lot of people who don't score a hundred points in their career. I'm one of them. <laughs> so yeah Uh, amazing just amazing
1: it's amazing and like you talked about with madden greenway and her being the only two nominated to this national award you said madden greenway is one of the top three players in the state i'm not gonna uh you know and let's just for the sake of the argument just say class two-way uh you could put Steel, you could put Greenway in there. But there's another local athlete who could probably also be in that top three of uh, athletes in girls' basketball 2A. Uh, Corey, you have the opportunity to see the other one uh, in the coming week.
0: Yeah, uh, Tori Orline plays for Crosby Ironton. And we don't need to go into too much depth about her because we know how awesome she is. Um, she is on pace for roughly 5,000 points in her career. That Um, is not real. It's not done very often. There was a girl I saw for, was it maybe Climax Fisher? Yes. She's an eighth grader. Mm -hmm. She just scored her 1000th point, which is insane. But if I'm not mistaken, when Tori was in eighth grade, she'd already scored her 2000 point. I mean, <laughs> like what Tori's doing is incredible. And uh, I've never seen her play. I haven't had a chance to see her play yet. And actually, uh, uh, Crosby Ironton will be at Staples Motley on Friday night, that game on the fan. So uh, details of that are at, uh, in our broadcast schedule at wadinaradio.com. But pretty pumped to see. Uh, and for Central Minnesota basketball fans – We have two of the premier basketball players in the state easily within driving distance.
1: All right. Yeah. uh, I heard part of that. Uh, We had an internet uh, snafu here, but I'll take your word for it. She's a good player and uh, it's good to see good players in our, uh, in our listening area here. Uh, So let's, uh, move on here and talk a little bit about the Minnesota Timberwolves as we go to the Hardwood because so we talk about great personal performances. Carl Anthony Towns had 62 points in that game for the Timberwolves. Unfortunately they lose to the Charlotte Hornets and there's a lot of layers to break down into this game, Corey. But uh first, just what's your gut reaction?
0: Awesome effort by Carl. Um they're in a weird uh, that's that's the gut reaction awesome effort by carl and it's 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 a huge bummer that they wasted it
1: yeah i mean it's a huge bummer there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that i'm just kind of going to nitpick off here uh that i've heard online i didn't watch the game uh i no. picked a good night to watch we both picked good nights to spend watching high school basketball instead of the timberwolves Definitely. uh but so looking at uh looking at the wolves game looking at the reaction online one i've seen people go This is a microcosm of Carl Anthony Towns career, big, uh, big shooting nights, the horrible defender and seeking volume stats and still losing. I've heard, like, I've just heard a lot of the takes on Carl Anthony Towns. There's the take, uh, that Towns was fouled, which he was, I don't know if you've seen that replay, his arm, he goes up for a layup to tie the game and his arm, like his arm is hit by a Charlotte defender as he's going up to shoot and they didn't call it. Uh, so there was that, uh, there were, there was Chris Finch, uh, after the game saying that the wolves were disrespectful to the game of basketball with the way that they were playing, basically insinuating that, like we played with our food a little bit. We, they kept trying to force feed Carl Anthony towns the ball. Like the whole team did. Uh, cause they're like, let's let cat get his, he's hot. And he kept going. And it's like, we're going to, it's just Charlotte. We'll beat him anyways. And let's let him get his night. And then Charlotte comes back and beats you. There's a whole lot of different things that go in here, but like you said, things are just a little bit weird for the Timberwolves right now. Mike Connolly didn't play last night, and we've kind of established, I think, that the Timberwolves are a much different team when Mike Connolly is not on the basketball court on a given night, but it's just the underlying thing of this team is they've been able to cure the demons of the year before, which was where they'd lose a lot of these games. They still pop up here and then and those sloppy turnovers and it's led to two losses back to back on your home floor where previously they'd only lost one game all season long. So in short, this is a very weird Wolves game. I'm not going to panic about it because you know who else lost to the Charlotte Hornets this season, Corey? The Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. So you're go like we've talked about before, these games are going to show up on your schedule. Now the thing is, how do you react? Do you keep letting things free fall? Or do you kind of use this as a way to snap back in? Because Chris Finch was not kind to his players last night in that postgame presser.
0: So there's a, I, I think there's one big thing at play. And I don't know if this is an, I don't think this is an overreaction to two straight losses. But um, it's something to be considered with this Timberwolves season. Um, one of the things that I think has become evident this year is... Uh to give Carl Anthony Towns some credit, he has really, it seems like from a distance, bought into the idea that this needs to be Anthony Edwards' team. He needs to be he needs to buy in and play good defense, um, uh on ball and off ball defense. This needs to be Anthony Edwards' team going forward. I mm-hmm. think everybody agrees with that premise. And Carl is bought in. One of the things, though, that comes with this is Anthony Edwards is learning how to play basketball still. So weirdly, in this goal for future success, for long-term success for the Timberwolves and growing Anthony Edwards as a player, there are nights when offensively the Timberwolves maybe aren't what they could be in the present because Carl anthony Towns could be your leading guy. There is this little bit that exists with this team of they're still willing to sacrifice the present for developing Edwards and the future. Which is weird when you are the number one to number three team in the West. I don't know where they stand right now. But when you are when you are actually winning ball games on top of this huge learning curve that Anthony Edwards has to learn how to be a primary scorer and a consistent scorer and playmaker for his teammate, mm-hmm. they're just it's just like they're in this weird kind of jumble right now. Where the truth is, if it was Carl's offense, maybe their successes would be almost as good. But the but like the immediate success through, the, I, I just don't know. I They're in a weird, they're in a weird spot when you put those two things together. Cause Carl is without a doubt, the more polished offensive player, Right. Anthony can do more. He's got an unbelievable ceiling, obviously it needs to be his team, but they're sacrificing, I think a little bit of the right now for a year or two or three down the road. And it's tough to do that when you're competing for a one seed in the entire conference.
1: Right. Exactly. And Carl Anthony towns. I I think you're, you're probably right when you talk about it, accepting it's ants team. I think just Carl Anthony towns has just played team basketball. I think he's been willing to take on that role of like, I'm going to take a back seat to help the team. And that's great on his part. And he's still capable of doing these offensive numbers. And it's, you know, it was just interesting last night. It was just a weird vibe that that team put out because it felt like from, and again, I didn't watch the game. I didn't, whatever. This is all from seeing highlights and from kind of uh, secondhand knowledge of the basketball game. It felt like the Timberwolves all just kind of collectively thought they were going to win. So let's keep feeding cap because keep in mind, and they didn't know this, but Joel Embiid had 70 points last night. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns said the second 60-point game of his career, breaking his own team record of most points in a game was 62. So like they wanted to get cat his, they wanted to get him whatever. And they decided to do that over playing what Carl Anthony towns wants to do and play team basketball. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's just been a weird vibe. It's been a weird thing. And again, I'm going to point to this Chris Finch quote because uh, he said last night after the game, that was a disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball.
0: Yes, well, and, and that's and that's some of the learning curve with Anthony Edwards right now is 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 immaturity like in its actual definition. There's just if Mike Conley plays in that game, they're going to make sure they get Carl going. But in times when they need a bucket, they're going to run their set, and if it ends up in Carl's hands, and he only scores fifty three or forty eight maybe the Timberwolves win that game because in these crucial moments, an an elder statesman like Conley can feel the ebb and the flow of that. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not something that Anthony Edwards has a real good take on quite yet. That dude will heat check from 35 feet after a made layup. Right. After going missing his last seven shots. Like he doesn't have that, that, That feel quite yet. Not that he can't develop. Not that he won't develop it. It's not where it probably needs to be. And yeah, it seems like last night was maybe evidence of that.
1: Yeah. Uh. So one last thing, and we'll wrap up the sports desk on this is uh, Joe Mauer could potentially be voted into the Hall of Fame tonight. I know we've been talking for over a month about the Hall of Fame ballots. They've slowly been trickling in. So here's where things stand right now. Joe Mauer is sitting at about. 80 percent of the vote you need 75 percent to get into the hall of fame yes. and imagine this like it's an election 50 percent of precincts are reporting mm-hmm. so if the if it ended right now joe mauer's in the hall of fame mm-hmm. but we still have over half the ballots that need to be counted and those ballots are anonymous
0: mm-hmm. so
1: and here's the thing about Hall of Fame voting that I've learned while researching this online. Uh, the people who don't put their ballots out publicly, their ballots typically stink. So there's a good chance that Maurer might not be left off because here's the thing with the Hall of Fame. Maurer's
0: voting. kind of a controversial one.
1: It's got, and it's a controversial first ballot Hall of Famer, which I think yes. is... And there's some people that hold first ballot versus non-first ballot in a different light. I don't think that there's a difference. Either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. There's no extra tier to the Hall of Fame. You're just in it. Yeah. Uh, nobody nobody really remembers if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. And by the way, there's even snobs on that because there's Adrian Beltre has got 99% of the vote but that means that there's still 1% out there who doesn't think Adrian Beltre is a hall of famer to theirs. You know Like there's always some annoying beat reporter out there somewhere that's doing this. And you don't even still have to be covering baseball. You just have to have been a part of the baseball writers association and meet the certain criteria. There's people who have been retired for years and who haven't like, and who are still voting on the hall of fame. It's insane. uh, But that's the way the voting process is set up right now. So there's a 50-50 shot that Joe Maurer gets in the Hall of Fame in my eyes. Uh, I think he does. I think he's got enough to clip in. But some people seem to think it's a slam dunk, and I'm just kind of going to hold my breath. But, Corey, what's your gut reaction?
0: Um, I I love that he's in the mix. I've always believed especially what he did as a catcher, was enough to get him in. There's never been another catcher ever like him in all of baseball. I know that wasn't even the majority of his career when it was all said and done, but what he did in that time as a catcher, three batting titles and an MVP, is kind of unprecedented. So I, as a as a Twins fan and a Joe Maurer fan and whatever a, a Minnesota guy, one of us all, all, taking – all of that into consideration, all this, I always thought he was a, a hall of famer. Mm-hmm. I am so thrilled that this is, uh, this is the potential. And even if he ends up not getting in, it seems like he's well on his way, which is, which is really important. I just, I just really want him to be in the hall of fame. Um, uh, I grew up uh Kirby Puckett's my all-time favorite Minnesota twin. Mm-hmm. but I didn't make it out of elementary school before Kirby Puckett was done playing. So he was like the major league player who got me into twins baseball and into uh professional baseball, just like as a game. Yep. Um, in my life, I have, n- there's never been like a position player for the twins who is who has been more like, I just couldn't wait to watch that guy hit every single day. He was so good that the, he, I didn't grow up with Harmon. I didn't grow up with Oliva. I didn't grow up with Carew in my lifetime. Joe Mauer's the, the, the best twin, like and understanding what's happening. There's been nobody better than, than Joe Mauer at playing baseball.
1: Yeah. And I mean, people are going to nitpick. I've heard a lot of people online go, basically they use the second half of his career as a reason to sink. The first half of his career,
0: which is a legitimate argument, by the way, the second Mm -hmm. half career
1: is not great. It's not great, especially when he moved to first base, which that position typically dictates a lot more offensive production from a power standpoint. And of course, Mauer didn't really have the power, but the thing Mauer was able to do was just, he's just one of the best pure hitters of all time. And that's the thing. Watch Mauer in and at bat, like just every time everybody would make the joke that he's going to slap it. through the th- slap it towards the shortstop. But you know what happened? Most times it got past the shortstop and went in. Joe Maurer is a pure hitter. He's has one of the best eyes I've ever seen. He just knows the strike zone. He was a good hitter. And here's the thing. A lot of twins fans have a lot of biases towards Maurer not getting in. And it's so weird because we use the second half and his contract. And there's a whole lot of things that would take a whole extra sports desk episode to go over. I know we're running late here, but The main thing is, we there's some Twins fans who are going to think that Joe Maurer is not deserving of a Hall of Fame bid, but I hate to tell you, the national writers look at him and they go, what are you talking about? He won three batting titles as a catcher and an MVP. He was one of the best hitters of his generation. That's a Hall of Famer. And at the end of the day, that's what multiple all-stars, multiple gold gloves, silver sluggers. That guy was a great hitting catcher. And I know catchers hit bombs now and catchers do things, but... Back in that time, your catcher was your perpetual nine hitter, and now and Joe Mauer was a three hitter as a catcher. And that's important. And that's gonna get him into the hall of fame.
0: There's a uh, to use another argument, it this is this is a controversial one, but like um there's a lot of people who said, I'm one of them. I think Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think Barry Bond should be in the Hall of Fame even before you consider all the home runs and all the steroids if you want to mark a ground zero of barry bond's steroid use and just use everything before that he's a hall of fame baseball player he was
1: on a hall of fame pace yeah
0: and everything he did after that if you like i'm i'm willing to throw that out for what the first half of his career did There's some, there's some other, I get some steroid conversations. That's, that's not a part of this conversation. What Maurer did was so impactful in his time as a catcher that we have never seen another catcher like it in all of baseball, which dates back to the civil war.
1: Right. And we're probably never going to see a catcher like Joe Maurer again. He needs to be in. He needs to be in. And look, I, I want him to get in. I don't, I'm just, I'm, it's not a slam dunk, but it could very well happen and it'd be really great. So we can talk more about it. If We'll talk more about it either way. But I'm hoping he does get in. And if he doesn't get in this year, he's totally getting in next year. That's my, after seeing this, there's going to be some people that will be first ballot, not first ballot. But once he gets to year two,
0: it's bam. He, is he, in. he might not be until Burt Blyleven. I don't, it doesn't matter. I right. Like it, 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 he's going, he's a hall of famer. And I think that's really cool.
1: Right. For the same people that got mad at Joe Maurer for not hitting enough power are some of the same Twins fans that lament the Twins for trying to hit too much for power these days. It's a very fascinating argument that those are the guys that uh, that are being very critical of Maurer. And they're like, well, why can't we have batting average back? It's like you had a guy who hit for average and you hated him. So I don't know what you want from me. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, this has been the morning sports desk for Tuesday, January 23rd.
0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.